ladies and gentlemen, listening from around the world, we are live! Welcome to this episode of Tailgates and Teasers! And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, introducing your host, Drew Gwerner! It's time! What's going on, everybody? Drew Gwerner here. It's been way too long, but we are back. It's October 1st, and it is episode 8 of Tailgates and Teasers. Coming at you today, myself, along with Jake Ward and Andrew Gray, to go over some hot topics in baseball. MLB playoffs are underway, along with NFL season three games in, and the NBA Finals. But before we get going, shout out to the Broken Bat Workshop and Perfect Golf. You get 10% off your order at checkout of the Broken Bat Workshop with the code TNT10 and 20% off your order at checkout of Perfect Golf with the code TAILGATES. Also, the Costin Hammer Network has partnered with NorCal Special Olympics and will be raising funds and awareness through the Better Together Fitness Challenge. Take a picture or video of your workout, hike, bike ride, walk, whatever it may be, and tag us on Instagram. Use the hashtag BetterTogether. So with all that said, Episode 8 with Jake, Andrew, and myself begins right now. All right, episode eight, Jake Ward and Andrew Gray here with me today. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Looking forward to talk sports with you guys. Uh, Baseball has been very entertaining down the stretch. Uh, Crazy finish to the year. Anything that was of note to you guys as the season came to a close as playoffs are starting up? I'll say that my uh, my poor Giants came just this close to making the playoffs. They even they they tied that that record had them right there, but alas. It's not theirs, partially because of Rob Drake, mainly because of the Giants. Rob Drake definitely had a hand in that, but you can't put it all on him. The Giants, they just, in moments where they needed to be good, especially with the last series against the A's, where they were coming down the stretch, they knew they needed to win some games. They just couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, the Giants were definitely one of my big surprises as well. You know, I think it was the early – the early – the poor defense early in the year, I think, is what really what really hurt them. Um, just to get somebody else in there, uh, a team that really surprised me this year was the uh, the Reds. Um, they were, I think, eleven and sixteen at the trade deadline, and they were talked about as being sellers. Uh, Bauer was looked at as being one of the bigger pieces that teams were trying to get. Uh, the Reds stuck with uh, stuck with Bauer, stuck with their guns, and they ended up. Uh, make it into the playoffs and um it was a tough loss today bauer pitched great but uh i think i think they really surprised me i didn't think that they were going to be able to turn it around yeah i think the reds um i felt like they were always going to be a playoff team but it really surprised me with how well their pitching did this year and then how their offense really couldn't back it up and keep them at the top of that division even though they were able to sneak in 
Uh, a team that stood out to me was the Marlins. I think that they had – no one saw them making the playoffs. I think they expected to be at the bottom with the Orioles, and even the Orioles had an okay year. Uh, and then, Jake, to add to your point, the Giants, that's really – I knew they could hit, but doing as well as they did this year really kind of threw things off and uh, mixed up the playoff picture for sure. Um, See here. Yeah, I think something interesting about the Marlins, too, is more than any other team this year, they had to deal with Corona, the, the coronavirus, you know, they right. uh, at one point had 15 guys on their team, I think, who, who had it. So they were uh, scraping the barrel, picking up guys who were DFA'd just to, to make it through and uh, they stuck with it. And they got a good, I think they got a good young core and they have I think they have an ownership group that's got a lot to prove. I think Derek Jeter, a lot of people second guessed him when he, a couple years ago in that off season, and he got rid of uh, Stanton and Azuna and all those guys, Yelich. Yelich yep. And so I think, uh, I think that's a young team with a lot of good pitching and an ownership group who is going to be motivated to win and has a chip on their back. So I think it's looking good for their future. Definitely. And then you got the Chicago White Sox who were a top two seed or three seed in the AL there. And they dropped to the, or their seven of last eight games to follow the number seven seed. Uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on the White Sox and how they finished up the year? Man, that was a team that, you know, I, I was really thinking could, could make some noise and they were starting to, but that, that, that finish, it, it worries me. We know it, it just takes a team getting hot down the stretch a la the 2010, 2012 giants. You know, it just takes one team getting hot late in the year. And unfortunately for the White Sox, they're going the opposite way. Now they did win game one from the A's. We're recording Tuesday night – or, sorry, Wednesday night. This hopefully will be out Thursday afternoon. You know, they, they go up one nothing on the A's. The A's bounce back, get get game two today. But their their momentum just kind of failed off where, you know, if you would have stopped the season mid-year, I would have said, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll be in it no problem. They wouldn't even have to face a team like the A's. But – you drop off, and now you put yourself in a seven seed. Now you're behind the eight ball. And yeah, definitely. And then you got Houston uh, sliding at the number eight seed, uh, twenty nine and thirty one. Only team in the AL playoffs below five hundred. What are your guys' thoughts on how the season ended for them? I mean, it's it's pretty surprising. I still thought they were going to be a better team, and maybe given one hundred and sixty two games, maybe they do turn turn it around and start to look a, a little better. But um, you know, I think if you're in, in an Astros fan, you got to be really disappointed because you've played in a, a really weak division this year where, I mean, you basically limped in the second place and found your way into the playoffs this year. But I, uh, I mean, I think it was surprising. I had them, I think, pegged a little better. And again, I do think that just the, the 60 game mark, I think is just a tough mark for them because uh, they're, they just haven't played well this far and their bullpen is going to be a big problem. Right, and then Correa came out today and said, people are mad, people don't want to see us here. What are they going to say now? We're a solid team. We won a series on the road in Minnesota. So what are they going to say now? Jake, I know you have something to say about this. What are your thoughts on Correa's comments today? I'm, I'm going to say that they were below 500 and that they're still not any good. They, they did very well this season at home, and hopefully I still have those standing up, standings up and I can find them. They were 20-8 and eight at home. And you know what? They went 9-23 and 23 on the road. You're not going to play every game in the playoffs at home. Now, granted, you do have no fans there, but you, you still can't win like that. And plus, you, had a, you only had a plus-four run differential. 
that's not the mark of a good team. You're looking at teams like the Indians, plus 39. The White Sox had a plus 60, and they're a seven seed. You're an eight seed at plus four. I don't want to hear that, Carlos Correa. Right, and the averages were something that definitely stood out this year. Um, Altuve from the buzzer year batted 346 this year, 219. Correa, 315 the buzzer year, 264 this year. Reddick, 314, 245 this year. Bregman, 284, dropped down to 242. And Springer, 283 to 265. So uh, definitely some impact there with the buzzers, and they just didn't live up to the expectations this year. Moving on to the NL Central, four teams, Cubs, Cardinals, Reds, and Brewers, all getting into the playoffs. Uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the year this was one of the worst divisions in baseball. What are your guys' thoughts on having those four teams slide into the playoffs? My thoughts are that I look rather foolish, you know. That, <laughs> thinking that that would be one of the worst divisions in baseball you have. I mean, you know, take out the Pirates. So we'll just kind of we'll throw them aside for this conversation. You know, the, the Brewers coming in at 29-31, taking that eighth spot. It, it turned out to be a pretty fun division. You had great pitching staffs all the way around once the Cardinals actually could play. The Cubs came back to life this year after most people thought they were kind of, you know, one foot in the grave. So, you know, it, it actually ended up being a fun division. I think it's interesting when you look at um, how I feel differently about, you know, a team like uh, the Brewers and a team like the Astros who have the same record going into it. I mean, I I, I feel like for whatever reason, uh, Milwaukee took advantage of their opportunities and they found a way to make it in. I mean, they might they might be under 500 and they, they might be in fourth place, but they took advantage of, a, I think, a really weak National League. I think that's what the central getting four teams in really says to me, I mean, when you have the teams competing at the end of the year, you know, the Giants and the Marlins, and you have uh, an under 500 uh, Milwaukee team, I think when you have those kind of teams competing, it just says more about the National League not being extremely strong this year. And I don't know if it says a lot about the NL Central being that deep, but I do feel like Milwaukee took advantage of playing in, in the weaker National League. And, um, I don't hold it against them like I do the Astros. And then looking back here, at the beginning of the year, we picked the winners of each division. We all had the Yankees, Twins, and A's. Um, so none of us got the AL East correct. We got the Central correct, and the AL West we got correct. And we all had the Braves winning the uh, NL East, which they did. Uh, the Central, none of us got that correct as the Cubs won that. I had the Reds. Both of you had the Cardinals. And in the West, no surprise there, the Dodgers, we all had winning. Um, this year, playoffs are already underway. I want to hear your guys' uh, ALCS, NLCS matchups. Well, we've gone this whole time and haven't mentioned the best team in the MLB. And I know, Drew, that a couple of your listeners would be quite upset if we didn't mention the Dodgers of Los Angeles winning 43 games this year. Uh, you have to put them in the NLCS. Uh, I mean, I don't know how that you don't have them in there mm -hmm. unless they get snaked by the Padres. And since that it can only be an NLDS matchup, for sake of being right, I'll go with the Dodgers. But, man, the Giants fan in me really would rather see the Padres. And even just the, the baseball fan in me would rather see the Padres. And on the other side, I'll say the, the Braves because they've been my pick. i got to stay with them. Coming on out of the AL, got to put the, the A's in there as well. On the other side, it's, it's going to be Yankees, A's, and then I've got Dodgers, Braves. I think it's kind of what we projected at the beginning. What about you, Drew? I hate to sound redundant, but I'm, I'm going to definitely – I think 
have the same. I had originally in my bracket, I had uh, Dodgers and Cardinals playing in the NLCS, but uh, that's not going to be possible. So um, I'm going to change it up. I, I do think the Dodgers um, and I think the, the Braves, actually, that's going to be my change. I'm going to say uh, Dodgers, Braves as well in the National League. I think they have a pretty easy road there. Um, and then in the American League, again, I do like the Yankees. They're up uh, eight to six right now in game two. So it's looking pretty good. I think that's going to be a great series against Tampa Bay. There's going to be a lot of pitching. Um, it, it's going to definitely be fun to watch. And um, definitely I'm going to have the Yankees going up against the A's as well. I think uh, it's going to be difficult getting past uh, this game three, you know, with the A's history, with uh, finally today having a uh, uh, winner go home game that they, they finally win after I think nine straight, they had the longest active streak in the MLB. So they finally got over that hurdle today. Um, I'd like to see them go do it again. But in the next round, you know, they played Houston well all year. So that's a matchup I think I like for them. So um, I'm also going to go Yankees, A's, and Dodgers, Braves. Yeah, to add to that, uh, the A's, you know, it was nice to see them finally get a win in a playoff game. But with that said, the series is not over. Um, I think whoever wins the game three tomorrow between the White Sox and the A's will uh, be able to get to the ALCS. It was nice to see the A's, you know, finally get back to their ways of hitting the ball. I know Chris Davis had two home runs all year in the regular season, and he got one today. So hopefully with his bat getting hot again, uh, that might be something brewing there in Oakland. But uh, like I said, game three, whoever wins tomorrow, I think is going to play the Yankees in the ALCS. And then I agree with both of you guys, the Dodgers, I think will win the National League pennant. But uh, as far as that series between Atlanta and Cincinnati goes, I see them playing the Dodgers um, in the NLCS, whoever gets, whoever wins that series. I think it'll be Atlanta. But, yeah, definitely excited to uh, see where the end of the season goes and where the playoffs take us. NFL football, we are three weeks in, uh, going into week four here. And early season, a lot of injuries, a lot of entertainment. Guys, give me your thoughts on the NFL season so far. Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. I thought the lack of a, a – a preseason, sorry, was going to lead to a lot of sloppy play, and, and quite honestly, it hasn't. Unless you're really a uh, an Eagles fan, that was just horrendous. And I feel I feel sorry for all the Eagles fans out there. Cough, Mikey, cough. Um, so, <laughs> but you know, it, it has led to a a bad rash of injuries. You know, we we saw a lot of injuries in Week Two. Unfortunately, a lot to the Niners. Sorry to all you Niners fans out there. And we even saw a couple more this week in week three. And it just I, – I don't know if it's maybe they just didn't get as much time to stretch out those muscles or, or really to strengthen them because guys do a lot of work in the offseason on their own. It's different than it used to be back in the day when my dad was telling me about all these stories. Guys don't just roll out there and then, hey, it's time to play football. This is their full-time job now. They lived all year long. So it's, it's interesting to me why we're seeing so many injuries. And my only guess is a lack of a preseason. Not only that, yeah, with just the Niners or anything, but the star players. McCaffrey goes down for a few weeks. You have Michael Thomas out a few weeks. You have Saquon out the year. Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, yeah. So definitely the injuries hitting us hard. Uh, Gray, what were you going to say? Yeah, I mean, seven, uh, seven torn ACLs in the first two weeks. I mean, it's like basically an entire season's worth of knee injuries uh, throughout the league in one, you know, in two weeks. It's uh, – 
it's hard to point to anything else but you know the, the preseason. Right. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, a, a torn ACL isn't quite the death sentence that it used to be for players in football. Thankfully, a lot of players are coming back just as strong, if not stronger. However, that is a lot of lost time. And for players in a career where you have such a short shelf life, lost time is lost money. And it could be a lot of lost money for a lot of those players. Think about maybe Saquon Barkley's next contract now with two years that he's almost missed the whole year due to injury. Things Things just change drastically with an injury like that. Speaking of Joey Bosa, the, even though they lost the game, the Chargers' D-line looked super good against Kansas City in week two. Uh, definitely gave them a run for their money, and then Kansas City bounces back, and Mahomes stays undefeated against Lamar, uh, undefeated in the month of September, and undefeated as an underdog against the spread in Vegas. So he is uh, definitely still on track to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year. Um, and is there a weird, weird situation that led to uh, Herbert starting these last couple of games, right? But right. I mean, he's he's really stepped in, and actually, it, it's it's looked all right. You know, that offense is still is rolling is rolling all right. Uh, but yeah, really weird situation with Tyrod Taylor, man. I can't, I couldn't <laughs> believe that. What do you do if you're the doctor? Can you are can you be mad at him? Like, I'm just gonna puncture your lung real quick with a shot, like. Stefania Bell of ESPN said that it is common for that to happen. I don't know how common. She made it seem like it's not very common. So I think you want to be mad. I don't know if you can. I mean, he's your doc. He keeps you safe normally. But, you know, hey, every, every now and again, something's bound to happen. All right. Are there any teams that have stuck out to you guys or surprised you throughout the first three weeks? Uh, there's there's definitely been a couple of teams um... – who surprised me in uh, a very a bad way. And that's, that's the two New York teams. Um, I, as a Niners fan, I've had two weeks straight of watching, you know, both of them. And they've basically lost to a practice squad roster two weeks in a row. You know, um, both teams are averaging 12 points a game. Uh, the two worst offenses in the league. I mean, it's, it's basically unwatchable. Daniel Jones can't stop turning the ball over. Um, and, you know, you got to kind of feel bad for Sam Darnold. You've seen a couple plays he's made, uh, especially in that 49ers game. I mean, you, you got to think maybe on another team he could do something. But, I mean, both of those teams are a long way away. And it, it's pretty hard to watch. And then uh, a team that surprised me positively, and as a Niners fan, it kind of sucks again, but the Seahawks and mostly mostly Russell Wilson. I mean, the guy, the guy is unreal. Um, they have the, the most yards allowed in the NFL, and their uh, defense gives, they, gives up 430 yards a game. Um, and they're still 3-0. and I mean, he's uh, got five touchdowns in, uh, per game the last two games. Um, the guy is unreal, and he's fun to watch, and it's basically a one-man team. It's pretty insane what he's doing this year. Definitely. To add to your point, too, about um, Sam Darnold, Juju came out today and said, we'd love to have him over in Pittsburgh, but I love Big Ben. So yep. I think there's a way there that they're going to end up snagging Darnold eventually. Jake, what do you think? He, he's, a, he's a free agent at the end of the year. So there you go. We'll see what, what happens there. Well, I, I'm, I'm right there with you on the Seahawks. Russell Wilson doing his thing. Hey, let Russ cook, right? He, he's been cooking. He's been throwing the salt on there. He's saucing. He's doing all that he can. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, though. 
There is a team, I don't know if they've surprised me yet because they have had a bit of a cakewalk schedule, but it's the Buffalo Bills leading the AFC East right now at 3-0 over the Cam-led, pay, uh, Cam-led Patriots at 2-1. and You know, they, they've played the Jets, the Dolphins. Uh, come on, you better beat those teams. But it's the way that they were able to hold on and beat the Rams in week three that kind of got me to watch and say, hey, Josh Allen might actually be an elite quarterback. He moved the ball at will. He was able to come back when the Rams pushed it and made it a close game down the stretch. They end up with a three-point win and a shootout, 35-32. That team is building something special. Zach Moss was out, but they were able to overcome. Stephon Diggs has been blowing up so far, maybe really making that trade pay off. So there's someone to watch. They, they play the Raiders this week, my Raiders. It's, you know, I expect another shootout. I, the Raiders don't have a great defense, but they'll be able to score a few points, maybe. But it, it's coming up. Week five, week six, they play the Titans and then the Chiefs. So the Bills are a team to watch. Yeah, they got the, the second best passing uh, offense as well. Uh, 330 yards per game. So at Josh Allen, yeah, that they've really blown up in that passing game. And I'll I definitely tell you, think, too, that Cam Newton and the Patriots are going to be able to catch the Bills at the end of the year. Um, like you said, the Bills' schedule, kind of iffy to start, pretty, pretty easy. But uh, the numbers are there to prove that they're a good team. Uh, as far as Cam and the Patriots go, that game against Seattle, uh, was it last week? Really good, really fun to watch. You know, being, being able to see Cam return to his original self again and prove that he's the guy is just so fun to watch me being a really big cam newton fan he has touch on his pass again he's able to run like he's not hurt he's able to throw like he's not hurt anymore and it's just really nice to see him back to his uh normal self for sure he's just got no weapons in new england man it's kind of like watching him on the on the panthers before mccaffrey got there right it's basically cam newton is the offense right now yeah i mean you have edelman but they if they could get one more like just like a receiver, I think they definitely – they're a threat for the Super Bowl, in my opinion. So, One other team of note, too, that has kind of surprised me, and, again, maybe not a surprise, but something that could have been expected, the Houston Texans sitting at 0-3. Now, you think about the Houston Texans, you say Deshaun Watson. You say, man, it, how can he let them be at 0-3? Well, it's, it's hard losing a receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, but I'll tell you what, opening up the season – at Kansas City, and then home for Baltimore doesn't make it any easier. And you still only lost by two possessions to Kansas City. You did get blown out by Baltimore. And then you lost by seven at Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh's defense is tough. And when you're trying to adjust to losing someone who had 25% of your, your offense or your target share the year before is not something that you can do quickly. So I do expect them to kind of start to bounce back a little bit starting this week home against Minnesota. I think, I think it's, uh, you know, when it comes to the Texans, I think uh, Hopkins was able to hide a lot of the deficiencies that they have on their offensive line, but the Houston Texans have been known for just, they have not had an offensive line. Um, it, in when, you have a guy like Deshaun Watson who can extend plays and you got a guy like Hopkins out there who can, who knows where to go when the play gets extended. It, it can cover a lot of the deficiencies you have on your offensive line. But when Watson doesn't have Hopkins to throw to, now the pressure starts getting, uh, those pressures start getting to Watson and those turn into sacks rather than 
does crazy plays where Watson breaks two tackles and throws it 60 yards to Hopkins downfield. You know, you, you just don't have that anymore. And without a run game or an offensive line, it, it's not surprising that the Texans, they are where they are. Yeah, Hopkins excelled at making stuff happen when the play broke down. And with that Texans offensive line, it was always breaking down. Ask David Carr about that Texans offensive line. They'll tell you they haven't had one in their entire franchise's existence. All right? So I don't think that's getting any better for Deshaun Watson anytime soon. And now that you don't have someone who's there to make something happen for you when you're scrambling for your life, things are just not going to be the same. And then another, just uh, one more thing of note for the Texans. Um, I believe this year and next year, their first round draft picks are owned by the Dolphins. So you're, you're, you're 0-3. You're looking like you might be one of the worst teams in the league and you don't have draft picks for two years. I mean, it's a real, such a shitty it's a situation real tough to be part. In. Yeah. Yeah. It's such <laughs> a tough spot, man. I don't know if uh, that, that would get you fired. Out. That gets you fired in a Madden franchise. I don't know how Bill O'Brien still has a job. I'll tell you that right now. Well, I don't think he's going to for long, man. I, it's going to be a rough couple years, I think, in Houston. He's on the hottest of seats this year. right? Well, sorry. Adam Gase is on the hottest of seats. Maybe not much longer. But then it'll be Bill O'Brien right after that. Yeah. There's one team in the NFC North that I think we should touch on. It's not the Green Bay Packers. It is the Chicago Bears. Um, they're three and oh. I don't think any of us, I don't, well, me personally, I didn't expect them to be good or three and oh. And they have played, I mean, they played Detroit week one. The guy dropped a wide open end zone game winner catch. They yeah. got yeah, away with the win. Uh, they did play the Giants week two. Saquon tore his ACL. It is the Giants two and oh. And then now down big week three. They throw Nick Foles in there to replace Trubisky, and then out of nowhere, Falcons doing the Falcons things, blowing leads and blowing games, and they are 3-0. and So what are your guys' thoughts on the Chicago Bears? Are they a contender in that division, or are they just getting lucky? Well, they, they benefit from Falcons doing Falcon-like things because that's just what the Falcons do. They blow 20-point leads, so let's just put that in stone. You know, the Bears, they're going to get a boost. I think – they brought Foles in because they knew Trubisky wasn't going to get them the job done. And it took him not being able to do it against the Falcons and seeing that Foles can bring you back. We saw what he did in a backup cape, you know, capacity with, with Philadelphia winning the Super Bowl a couple years ago. They brought him in to take this job from Trubisky and it's finally here. Does that make them a player? Yeah, I think it does because you saw clearly he established a rapport with Allen Robinson I think it was five catches for 64 yards and a touchdown after Foles came in. Foles, I think, ended up with three total touchdowns, bringing them back in the win. It, it Clearly, it's going to be an upgrade. And it's not like the Bears were a bad team before. Now, you lose Tariq Cohen, and that's going to hurt because you have him opposite of David Montgomery. You have that one-two punch. So you're going you're gonna to struggle a little bit now on offense trying to kind of fill that gap. But if they can get the defense to figure it out. It's a Khalil Mack-led defense, but Khalil Mack's all they've got. Other than that, that defense is very pedestrian. So I think they can be a big player. It's not if the offense figures it out. It's if the defense gets it right. Definitely. What do you do if you're Trubisky, you're 2-0, and you get yanked as a starter? Like, I know that you've gotten lucky, but you're 2-0. and There's no losses on in the loss column, and you get yanked. Like, what does that do to your confidence, you know? Like that's kind of a shitty situation to be in also. 
No, I mean, it's just, it's got to, it's got to affect your, you know, it's got to affect you, you know, uh, to have an organ, you know, you know, your organization doesn't believe in you. If you're 2-0, you're, you know, you're helping them win. That's my and point. And not have, yeah. to not have that belief and that confidence in you, uh, confidence in you is huge, especially in, in pro sports, you know, it's, it's all confidence. And when the, the organization and the guys who you're supposed to trust to help put you in a position to win don't even believe in you it's uh it's a very deflating feeling well and here's the problem normally in life style points don't matter and at the end of the day technically in the nfl they don't either but when we're having this type of conversation style points definitely matter and trubisky has absolutely zero in fact trubisky right now has negative style points because he backed into a win from DeAndre Swift dropping a touchdown and then it had to take Saquon Barkley being injured tearing his ACL again for him to be taken out in week two for them to hold on by only four points 17 to 13 over the terrible Giants and then it's not until Foles comes in and they come back and they beat the Falcons so you heard the chatter all offseason if you're Trubisky and your whole thought was if I go out and I play well I can silence the haters and yeah you were two and oh but you didn't play well, and you left the door cracked that much for Nick Foles, and what happened, he kicked it down, and now he's taking that job from you. Right. And I, you know, I, I, uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's a tough situation for him, you know, um, where he got drafted. You know, he's always going to be compared to Mahomes and to Watson. You know, I think that the 2-0 and is good this year, but this is the move that is – more than it's based more than on just these last two games you know this goes back to since he's been in the league and if you've watched him and the Bears play at all you know it hasn't looked right since he got there plus with the expectations that he has them trading up just to get him in the same draft where they passed on the homes and on Watson to get him I mean you're always going to be compared to those two guys whether it's fair for him or not so um, I, I think obviously when you look at it that way I think you have to make the move uh, and Nick Foles took advantage. You know, he was given opportunity and he took advantage. That's that's what it's all about in sports. Definitely. Quick hypothetical: What would have happened had the Bears drafted Deshaun Watson? Now think about know, it. You, you I, don't have a DeAndre Hopkins in Chicago. You do have an Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, very Allen Robinson's talented. Pretty good. Yeah. He's yeah. not a DeAndre Hopkins, but he's very very close. He's you know, a top ten receiver. That's, that's an organization that historically has always been quarterback deprived. You know, I mean, there, there's not, there's not a great quarterback really who you can name from Chicago. You know, every time they've been very successful, it's always been defensive, defensively based. So I, it would be interesting to see them get a, a quarterback with the caliber of a Deshaun Watson, uh, of Watson to see if they could develop him. You know, I mean, we really haven't seen, that organization in its history develop a quarterback like that. So it, it would be interesting to see if they could even do it properly. You know, I'd say right now that if you take, if you take Deshaun Watson as he is right now, and it's no bet that he becomes what he is if he's drafted by Chicago. But if you take Deshaun Watson, you put him in Chicago under Matt Nagy in that first year when that defense was prime, when they got Khalil Mack and they were tearing it up, I bet you Chicago bears, at least make a Super Bowl, if not win it. Yep, that's bold. Hot take. Um, I think it's. I think. I think the two teams are very comparable, except uh, the Bears usually have a better defense. I think than the Texans. You know, I think it'd be right. a, a similar situation. 
going into both teams for him. So I, I maybe with a better offensive line, like we were talking about uh, them not having in Houston. So, you know, it's obviously a hypothetical, but I mean, you have to, you would have to at least think that the bears would have been better in this situation. You know, I mean, you're improving the most important position on the field. You're improving greatly. So you have to think they at least take some step forward, you know? Definitely. Another division that I want to get to is the NFC South, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Carolina, and Atlanta. Uh, right now, Tampa Bay is 2-1. Tom Brady's doing his thing. Uh, the Saints, although they lost Michael Thomas, Drew Brees does not look like his normal self. And then Atlanta, really good on paper, but once again, they can't do anything on the football field. And Carolina, I think, upsetting the Chargers last week, going 1-2 and two on the season. Losing McCaffrey. What are your guys' thoughts on the NFC South? Is it up for grabs? Is it the Saints division still when Michael Thomas comes back? Is Tom Brady the guy that's going to lead the Bucks to the playoffs? What, give me your guys' thoughts. I think you're seeing what age can do in football in the NFC South with both Drew Brees and Tom Brady. They both just look like they've lost a step. And while Brady's on top at two and one and Brees is one and two, Brees didn't look good without Michael Thomas. And when he comes back, I do expect the Saints to get better because Michael Thomas can make most quarterbacks look, look good. That's what a great receiver does. And when you have an all-time great quarterback, you don't really have to do that much work. He's just not what he used to be. So now the slack's falling a little bit more to Michael Thomas, and you saw that in the Raiders game when they lost. Tom Brady, he's, he's trying to do his thing. It, his receivers aren't making it easy getting hurt. Godwin's going to be out. Evans, Evans was hurt. Scotty Miller drops that touchdown. Uh, I mean, that division is up for grabs. What I would say is that Teddy Bridgewater – has that door open and it can be there for his taking if he wants it. The Panthers could push for it. The thing is they oh. need McCaffrey and they're just going to struggle until they get him back. It, it Without McCaffrey, that offense isn't going to go anywhere. If they can tread water, Drew, they have a shot at it. I, I personally do, or at least maybe chasing down some sort of playoff spot. But right now this, this division is, is anybody's. As much as I hate to say it, I would love to see the Panthers get a top four pick this year um, and just tank, you know, for, tank yeah. for Trevor <laughs> tank for Trevor. Justin Fields would be great. Also that linebacker, Micah Parsons, our defense is uh, struggling to say the least when it comes to stopping the run. I think he's, they said he's one of the best linebacker talents inside linebacker talents uh, since I've heard since Luke Keekley. So hopefully that is true. I would love to replace Luke Keekley. Um, we don't have any talent at linebacker whatsoever. What do you got, Drew? I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, Jake is, is pretty spot on with, with the analysis of the quarterbacks and uh, and the the age is looking like it's getting to him. You know, it's the first time I think you can watch clips now of Brady being visually angry, I think, for the first time in years. You know, I mean, he looks, he looks frustrated in Tampa Bay. Um, and, and it's interesting to see somebody who – basically dominated the sport of football for 20 years, uh, look like a, a human being. It's interesting. But when you look at that division, um, I really think it's going to come down to the defenses. Um, I, I think that's what's separating Tampa Bay right now. They're, uh, they're fourth in the league right now in uh, yards given up a game. Um, I, I think that's what's going to carry them. Uh, Carolina, you know, their, their defense is bottom, bottom eight, bottom five defense. I, 
as much as it would be an awesome story, and I would love it for you, Drew. I uh, I agree with your skepticism on that one. I think yeah. the defense just is not good enough, unfortunately. They've improved uh, their line, their defensive line, big time. But those first yeah. first and second round picks, uh, but it's just the linebackers and those really really young but talented corners. They just have to develop. It's going to take a few years, to say the least. It's gonna you know it's gonna come down to games basically where their defense has to stop Drew Brees and Tom Brady and. Just as of right now, I, I'm not going to hedge a bet on on the Carolina Panthers' defense shutting down uh, even a lackluster-looking uh, Drew Brees or Tom Brady right now. I agree. Um, it, it's going to be also – I think it's just going to be how New Orleans' defense is able to to step up. I mean, they're like – it looks like a top 12 defense right now. Um, but with the offense not rolling like it was before, that defense is going to have to step up and compete with Tampa, who that their defense is looking really solid this year. Right. Uh, just the other day, it was announced first coronavirus scare of the NFL season. Three Titans players and five Titans personnel tested positive. Um, Titans and Vikings closed their facilities until Saturday. Uh, it was announced today that they canceled the game, moved around bye weeks, I believe. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the coronavirus starting to break out in the NFL? Well, this is the, the one thing everybody was afraid of, you know, having it hit midseason and, and having some games be affected. Uh, I haven't heard exactly one way or the other whether they've moved around the bye weeks yet. I know they were talking about that. There's also talking about maybe even playing it Monday or Tuesday night, getting a little Tuesday night football. How does that sound? I heard Tuesday uh, night. Yep. It, it'd be great. Yeah. You know, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, though, what moving it back from Sunday to Monday does. Maybe it just gives them a little extra time to test, uh, gives the the Titans a little bit of a chance to get in there and maybe just kind of meet and do a walkthrough and, and get an extra day so that you don't have such a bad kind of competitive advantage uh, for, for one team over the other. But, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we're all afraid of. So it's it's interesting to see how they've handled it. But it's it's encouraging that they are taking it very seriously, shutting everything down, not allowing anybody in, and hopefully that's how you kind of uh, snuff it out early. I mean, yeah, it, I think football, it's just – it's going to be – I think it's the toughest of the pro sport to keep players from getting COVID, you know? I mean, in baseball, there's kind of inherently just some social distancing going on, you know, whether you're you're at your position. You're, you're pretty much by yourself most of the time, you know. Uh, the closest you're going to be is maybe with the catcher and the umpire. Um, and in basketball, the teams are smaller, so it's it's more feasible to do a bubble. You know, you can't really do a bubble in the NFL. You're going to have 30 teams with 55 guys on the roster plus extra players. You know, they're the, the whole, you know, it's all contact. It's all close contact. Um, but I think it's going to be really important for them to snuff it out now you know it's not going to be like baseball where you can schedule double headers and you play so many games so the scheduling is easy you know it, the more teams who get it in football the more complicated trying to figure out when they can play is going to happen I think it could lead to a lot of injuries so I think if you're the NFL you need to take it seriously and you need to snub it out now and you can't let it spread because the more games that are lost in the NFL, the harder it's going to be to schedule all those back in. Right. And then something else I want to touch on real quick. We have all these head coaches. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on it, but we have all these head coaches getting fined 100K for not wearing a mask. Are they involved in the testing? Because 
to me, it doesn't make sense if they're getting tested, if all these players are getting tested and they're all fine. Why should they have to wear a mask when the players are out there breathing heavy and not wearing masks at all? Uh, do you guys have thoughts on that? Or My thought would be that they want to send a message. You know, the NFL has, uh, has decided to kind of step into social issues, I guess, or, or maybe just kind of real life issues and, and kind of, you know, bringing life into sports, so to say, or, or maybe for lack of a better phrase. So I think they're trying to put a good foot forward and trying to make sure that they follow policies and procedures and they show that this is something serious. Um, and I kind of commend them for it, but it, at the same time, it is a bit confusing because they are included in the pool. You all, all front office personnel or anybody that walks into that building is going to be tested. And if you have a, a positive test or if you have a temperature or if you have any of the symptoms, they won't let you into that building. So it's kind of confusing to me, um, especially being that, you know, they came out with that kind of face guard for the helmets. Almost none of the players wear them. I think I've seen maybe a handful at most. Uh, right. So it's a bit confusing, but, you know, they're trying to do the right thing. So I guess that's a round of applause. Right. Yeah, it was Denver's coach, uh, Seattle's Pete Carroll, San Francisco's Kyle Shanahan, and then John Gruden from the Raiders. So. Um, Drew, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I just think I'm of the opinion that right now, if you're going to be around people, you might as well just wear it. So I guess that's where I'm at. Um, you know, I, I, I get that it's, it's, it's a, a marketing, you know, it's a, a visual thing for the NFL. You know, they want to appear like they're taking a hard stance on it. And I mean, that's fine. Um, but at this situation with everything we know, I mean, just, you know, you just wear it for an hour, you know, wear it, wear it for two and a half hours and just, then just the deal with it for right now, you know, just deal with it for right now. And then moving on to basketball, the NBA finals started tonight, game one, Lakers heat, uh, Lakers came away with the win, pretty dominating from everything I read. I didn't really get to watch too much of it, but uh, who are you guys' picks in the, in the finals this year? I got the Lakers winning in five. Um, I think LeBron's going to get another ring and AD is going to come out with the MVP of that series. So uh, what are your guys' thoughts? The Lakers were, were down early, but they, I read they came at, came back, had a 75 to 30 run to close out that game, come back, get the win. Um, so, you know, they will take the one nothing lead, but I'm going to be contrarian here. Give me Jimmy Butler and the heat in seven it's been interesting. He, he's taken out the, the Celtics. He's taken out the Bucks. What can't this man do? You know, for all the talk of him being a bad teammate, sure haven't seen it. Hey, Tyler Hero. Can't forget him. 20-year-old Tyler. Wearing his high school jersey to practice after that big <laughs> shot, too. Okay. Drew, you got any thoughts yeah. on the NBA Finals? Well, of course, uh, Harrow's uh, been fun to watch. I think uh, Wiggins came out today uh, from the Warriors when he was uh, teammates with Jimmy Butler in Minnesota. And he said most of the bad teammate stuff was just with one guy. Um, and he thought he was a great teammate. You know, most people I think you hear talk about playing with Jimmy, like playing with him. I think it's one of those things where he's one of those, he's like a Richard Sherman. You know, when he's on your team, you love it. You love to have him and to compete with him. And when he's not on your team, you hate watching him because, He's so competitive. Um, I do think the, the Lakers are going to win the series, but uh, the, Miami is not going to be an easy out. It's a, it's a scrappy team. Uh, they've always been scrappy. They're winners. 
Spolstra uh, knows what he's doing. And uh, Donis Haslam, I think, is a fun story to watch. Uh, all six of the uh, championships that Miami's ever been to, he's been on all of those teams. Um, and you see him coaching up the young guys. I think uh, I think it would be a great story if Miami won. I just I don't know if they they have enough to do it. Definitely. Um, Doc Rivers, in other news, says he is out of L.A., the Clippers' job. He does not want to coach there anymore. Uh, I read something today that he said that no one respected Paul George and Kawhi wasn't really that much of a leader. So um, just kind of shocking because Kawhi's been around all these teams and he's led them to finals and won a couple championships with a couple different teams. Um, but rumor has it he's going to go to Philly. I know Philly was interested in Mike D'Antoni. But we will see where that ends up there. All right, that wraps up episode eight of Tailgates and Teasers. We appreciate you listening. As always, be sure to subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Uh, Leave a review. Leave us a rating. We greatly appreciate it. A lot of big announcements coming your way here in the foreseeable future, so stay tuned for that. Be sure to follow us on Instagram as well, at Tailgates and Teasers. As always, I'm your host, and thank you for listening. Thank you.